Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall. And what a bad, bad loss tonight for the New York Rangers. Just had zero energy to come out, which is remarkable at a playoff game in MSG. That team can come out so flat. And Jack Hughes... Scores in the first three minutes of the game after the Rangers had the puck go across the, the blue paint and somehow stays out of the net and the Devils come right back down the ice and score. Uh, just not a good start to that game. And this series, this series has been crazy. So they, the Rangers have two dominating games in New Jersey. You come back to MSG and you think, wow, they, this could be a sweep. And then the Devils make a Hail Mary play. They start a 22-year-old rookie, Nakira Schmidt, and the kid steps up, plays a great game in, in game three. Rangers lose an OT. Then tonight, the Monday night, it just I, they just did not get any pressure on him at all. He was giving up rebounds. Patrick Kane recognized that. He was just throwing the puck on net, trying to get rebounds. Uh, you know, just a terrible, just a terrible performance for the Rangers. Just... How you can lay two duds like that at home is crazy. After all the energy from last year's playoffs and how good they were at home and everything, I just I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming after those first two games. The Devils completely turned uh, their game around. You know they were loose defensively. They had you know gave up a ton of chances to the Rangers in the first couple of games. Their penalty kills has been outstanding the last two games. Hasn't given up anything. After Kreider scored four power play goals in the first two games, um, but there's some guys from this Rangers team that have not just they're missing in action. I mean, Trocheck scored tonight, but before this, he's been nowhere this series and zero impact. He's one of the things we talked about coming into the series was faceoffs and how you know when we had Bill Pito on last week, how important Trocheck was for the playoffs and how this is the time the other Rangers got him for and. How big faceoffs are. The guy was, what, 57% this year in the faceoff dot. And he struggled. He struggled so far. He's only at 42% the first four games. Michael McLeod is doing, is kicking his butt. I mean, he's what, he's winning 70% of his draws right now. The guy who's the only guy the Rangers stepping up from the faceoff circle side is Philip Heedle, of all people. The one guy who struggled this year, under 40%. He's now winning faceoffs at 65, 66% now. 
clip, which is, I mean, the kid line again has been solid. He, I think Heedle's been the best one of the three of them. Um, you know, he's got three points in the series so far, but I mean, Kako, I mean, they Kako played well the first couple games. He's been, he had, hasn't played well the last two games. I feel like, I feel like Lafreniere hasn't really, he played his best game of the series in game four, had a couple opportunities that didn't, you know, didn't score, but I thought he played a pretty solid game four, but Trocek, uh, where is Mika Zibanejad? I mean, he had basically zero impact. He had one shot, which was a fluttering wrist shot from the blue line tonight in, in game four. I mean, he's done nothing the whole series. A couple of assists, uh, but no impact at all. Artemi Panarin, again, after last year's playoff performance, where I think a lot of Ranger fans were upset about that, uh, you know, obviously he scored the big game seven goal in OT against Pittsburgh, but you know, I think there was a lot to be left to be desired out of his playoff game playoff performance last year. And he's again off to a slow start. Miki got off to a slow start last year in the playoffs and picked it up. But I mean, it, if Panarin and Zibanejad aren't performing, this team's not going to go anywhere. And Tarasenko had a good first couple of games. He's been quiet the last couple of nights. Hey, Patrick Kane is, is, is as advertised guys got six points in four games and Ranger fans are ragging on him, and I, I don't know what else you want from the guy. He, he's been great. Uh, Adam Fox has been great. You know, Lindgren's playing a very solid game. I think tonight Keandre Miller was excellent. He blocked five, six shots tonight. And I think, uh, you know, Chuba took a dumb penalty, but I think he's been pretty solid. The Rangers' defense has been great. Igor Shosturkin has been out of this world. I mean, he's been incredible. These guys getting up six goals all series, and it's 2-2. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy how good he's been and how the Rangers just can't score goals for him. I think the fourth line, I thought maybe we'd see a little more offensive production on the fourth line. You know, I think they're playing okay, but I don't think they've had the impact that most Ranger fans thought they would based on how they finished the year. You know, I I, I thought maybe Barkley Goodrow, I mean, Barkley Goodrow had a great, I think it was game one of the series. He was fantastic. And the fourth line was good. But Guru blocked like four or five shots. He was he was really involved in the play. I haven't seen that the last two games. I haven't seen him getting shippy with someone after the play. Heck, Nico Heischer tonight collided and crashed into Igor Shosturkin. There was no response. There was Trocek after the fact calling him a rat or something that was caught on the hot mic behind the net or you're a joke, whatever he was calling him. But Jacob Trubis on the ice, you got to jump that guy. He goes after Igor. Igor, I thought it was going to be hurt just based off how the extension of his knee was hitting the back of the net. But not one guy jumped in there, which was, I was like, you know, that's a team where I thought, you know, maybe they're kind of checked out right now. And I think Gerard Klein after the game, he said that you know, it was a poor effort. You know, it was a poor effort. We didn't deserve to win, and they did not. They did not deserve to win. And it's just crazy. It's, and I've had so many complaints from fans about ticket prices. And how they can't believe they can't go to Rangers playoff game because the Rangers and the secondary market has priced the regular Ranger fan out, which they have. They have $400, $500 for 400-level blue seats tickets is insane. It's absolutely insane. You look at teams like the Islanders, you could have gotten in for $45 the other night. You know, game five with the Devils, it's $220 to get in. Expensive ticket because Ranger fans are buying it, and they have two markets that are you know two different. Both teams are in the market, which is a lot different than Carolina and the, and the Islanders. But it, that's still 
$200 cheaper to go to Newark than MSG. It's crazy. It's crazy to take a price for MSG. If you if you bought both games for the Rangers, you spend over $1,000, and then you watch those two duds, that's yeah, tough. That's tough to swallow from a financial standpoint. So I, I feel for some of the, the layman Ranger fans that aren't getting tickets from uh, you know, the Deloitte's and the accounting firms and the Wall Street firms that have the tickets. I feel for the season ticket holder that held on to their tickets and didn't sell them to support the team, and then they went out there and put that effort forward. Um, it's it's disappointing. It's really disappointing, and I think a lot of Ranger fans have given up on this team, which is also unfair. I mean, we saw Ash in the playoffs. It, it, every series is will have ups and downs. It's not going to be an easy, here you go, sweep. It's, it's never going to be that easy. You can never bank on that. So you got to dig in. As a Ranger fan, you got to dig in. Believe in this team. You go back to Newark. It's a place that you just won two games. And I think this Rangers team, the good thing for them is that you're going to have a weird extra day off here, I think because of the Knicks scheduling. You can have an extra day off here for this team to regroup, get a good practice day in tomorrow, another day of kind of get that bad this bad weekend Monday out of the way and, and kind of reset and get into the series. It's now a three-game series. You got a rookie goalie in New Jersey. You got to figure him out. You got to put more pressure on him. They really didn't put a lot of pressure on him at all. They got to get more pucks on the net, more traffic in front of him. You know, Chris Kreider owned the crease in the first two games. They had zero setup with him the last two games. So get Kreider back in front of that, get Lafreniere back in front of the net. I think Trocek needs to drive the net more. Get get more pressure on this kid. More pressure on him. Maybe bump him a little bit. Get him off his game. Something. It's not working. Whatever they do now, it's not working. And then, please, the, the one guy on New Jersey that can do anything is Jack Hughes. You just got to shut him down. And they've done nothing else offensively other than him. Now, obviously, Dougie Hamilton scored the overtime goal, and Siegenthaler scored tonight on a great wrist shot. But, I mean, Hughes drives that offense. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice to put a buy on him. It seems like the kid just avoids every hit. You know, he stays out of the high danger zones. He stays away from Truba's, you know, bone crushing hits in the corner. But it'd be nice for someone to catch him and kind of remind him, you know, this is a physical game, and uh, maybe he'll think twice about taking some open space in front of the net, but they haven't done anything, and he's unbelievable. And the goal that he scored tonight is incredible. I mean, that was the hands. the skate. It was a beautiful goal, and Igor did all he could to keep it out, but that was a tone setter. And obviously, Trocek scores that goal, and you got, you know, the garden comes alive in the third, and then you let up a goal right back. You know, I, I as soon as they scored that goal, I honestly, you know, I still had belief that they could tie it up, but I you just saw the body, you know, the body language from the Rangers was not great after that. It wasn't good really most of the night. So, they regroup. They'll regroup. Ranger fans need to regroup. And uh, hey, Rangers in six, Rangers in seven. I didn't think this series was going to be a sweep. I thought the series was go the distance. Um, and I was, you know, obviously thinking the Rangers would pull it out in either six or seven, uh, realistically probably seven games is what I thought from the beginning, but it's tough. It's tough after you see the team dominate and then have these last two games, which is more of the games I thought you'd see in this series. I did not think the Rangers were going to win games five to one. 
I, you know, three to two, two to one, you know, three, one, those are the type of games this series I thought was going to be. And that's what the last two have, um, have developed, but it's, uh, you know, you see a guy like Igor. I mean, he's he's playing so well. It's just tough. You, you, you think back to Lundqvist and all those playoff series and all those games where he lost 2-1 to one and the John Tortorella era where he's blocked 17,000 shots and scored one goal and hope that it holds up. You know, that's what you kind of think of. And the Rangers have all this offensive firepower and to score just two goals the last two games, it's disappointing. It's very disappointing. And uh, but we have a great guest to break down more of the Rangers Devils series. We talk about the Islanders series as well with the the Hurricanes. Can they can the Isles come back? You know, if the Rangers do move on, who could be the possible matchup there? And uh, we're rejoined by our very good friend Stan Fischer, just one of the greatest hockey minds, one of the greatest hockey journalists. Uh, he's unbelievable in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know, one of the I mean, every, he's covered every tri-state hockey memory and, and moment in the past 70 years, it seems like. Um, incredible. It's great. To have, we had him on last year in the playoffs, so it's always great to have him back on the show. And uh, I can listen to his stories all day long. Uh, he's an incredible man, and uh, it, it's always an honor to have him on the show. So uh, stick around for Stan Fischler. But before we send to Stan, here's a brief message from our sponsors. Caldera Labs. Say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Backed by a leading clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experience healthier and visible improved skin, Caldera Lab has the tools to unlock your best first impression and confidence. Today we have an exclusive offer for you, our audience, so you can try it for yourself Why and you can see why so many men trust Caldera Lab with their skincare needs. Use our code BROADWAY at calderalab.com. For 20% off your their best product. Listen, as I'm getting older, in my 30s now, you got to take care of your skin. And these guys are out there helping you take care of your skin. They're helping you with your wrinkles. They're keeping, your, your, they're keeping you young. They're keeping you young. They keep you look good. Kadura Labs creates a high-performance men's skincare product by combining uh, pharmaceutical-grade science along with uh, na- uh, nature's purest and most potent ingredients. Kicking off their stellar skincare selection, we have... The Regimen Bundle, a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. Inside this bundle, you'll find the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. The Clean Slate is where you start your day. It's balancing cleanser that uses gentle plant-based cleansing, uh, leaving all skin types exceptionally refreshed. The Base Layer is a nutrient-dense, fortifying moisture that hydrates your skin and absorbs uh, absorbs fast, leaving with a matte finish so you can start your day confidently. And the good is your go-to at night before bed. It's clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as help helps reduce visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. How can you not beat that? As you age, you might notice more fine lines and wrinkles. It's a sign of aging, unfortunately. This is the opposite of what any guy wants, really what anyone wants. And the more you neglect your skin, the more visible this will become over time. It's time to control your skin and take these easy steps. Ready to take your skin to the next level with Caldera Lab? Look no further than the Icon. The, re- the rejuvenating eye serum is here to help address the the three most common skin concerns around the eye. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. The three worst things you can have. Committed to transparency, sustainability, and excellence, Caldera Lab is the, on the mission to better, skin, better men's skincare around the world. 
Priding itself on clean ingredients and doing right by its customers and planet we live in. Kadura Lab is a certified B Corporation as well as a member of the 1% for the planet. Through uncompromised craftsmanship, ex uh, exceptional ingredients, and rigorous transparency, Caldera Lab is here to upgrade your skin and confidence. So make sure to get 20% off today by using our code BROADWAY at CalderaLab.com. That's 20% off at CalderaLab.com by using the code BROADWAY. And we're also joined by our friends over at Kunzuri. Fellas, have you ever wished you were a little bit taller? Maybe you matched on Tinder and her profile said must be six feet tall. Maybe your date wears heels and you just can't because you're just not, or she just can't because you're just not tall enough. Well, Short Kings, today's sponsor has you covered. Kanzori makes shoes that make you up to 2.8 inches taller without anyone noticing. Look, girls get heels, makeup, and push up bras. Why can't men get a boost in confidence as well? We're all the same height laying down if you get what I mean. For a limited time offer, our listeners can get up to 15% off every order with your code BROADWAY at Kanzori.com. The site is already 30% off, so worth our code, you save an extra 15% off. That's 45% off your entire order. You're basically getting these shoes for free. So make sure you go show the support to the show and go check out Kanzori.com. That's C-O-N-Z-U-R-I.com and use the code BROADWAY. Listen, if you can get a little extra edge in the dating game, I'm out of it way now. I don't even want to think about getting to a dating game ever again. Uh, but listen, if you're in there, you're looking for uh, make a good impression, uh, or maybe you're taking a, a picture with some of your guys at home. Listen, I got my, all my friends at home are over six feet tall, so uh, maybe the next group shot, I have to get these shoes on to make sure that I can fit in a little bit. They don't have to uh, <laughs> adjust the lens at all. But make sure you go on there, check them out. Not only does Conservative Shoes make you up to 2.8 inches taller, but they're also incredibly stylish and comfortable. These are not all man shoes. They're not Velcro shoes. They're not ugly, ugly shoes. You'll get compliments in them. Even if they don't even make you taller, you get compliments no matter what. They have styles for every occasion, smart, casual, sporty, you name it, they got it. The height insoles are actually built into the shoe, so no one can tell that you're hiding some secret height boost in there. The brand is also hidden on the shoes and the packaging, so it's literally the ultimate height hack. Life short, you don't have to be. It's time to level up the playing field, my guys. Maybe update that dating profile to six feet. Kanzori is an absolute game changer for you and your dating life and your ring life in general. So make sure you go on the website, use our discount code Broadway, save that 15% off. You get the 45% off total. Like I said, it's basically free. So make sure you go check it out. Kanzori.com, C-O-N-Z-U-R-I.com. And make sure you use that code Broadway today. All right, we now welcome back to the show one of the greatest hockey writers in the history of hockey, USA Hockey Hall of Famer, Stan Fisher, the Hockey Maven. Thanks so much for coming back on. Always my pleasure. So first off, last I had you on was last playoffs, but since then you've had the press level at UBS named after you, so congratulations. Um, that's got to be incredible to see your name up there for all these other future writers to see you in the future. That, I'd say I'm now 91. And having that cresting named after me has got to be one of the all-time personal uh, gratefulness. I'm, um, I'm so grateful that they did that. It's uh, one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah, and I thank John Ledecky and my buddy, uh, David Kolb, who made that possible. No, it's well-deserved. I mean, how many years <laughs> you've given to hockey, especially the Islander community there. I know they... You have a special relationship with all three hockey teams in the Tri-State area. You've had the Rangers, the Devils, you were there in the 90s, and the Islanders, obviously, for all those years. So I feel like uh, you're well-loved by everyone in the Tri-State area that loves hockey. 
Well, you're right. Uh, the, I owe the Rangers a lot because, first of all, <clears throat> my introduction to hockey was with their farm team, the Rovers, at the Old Garden, starting in 39, when I was seven, saw my first game. There was doubleheaders, all doubleheaders, Sunday afternoon, and it was very cheap. It was wonderful hockey. You see a Met League game, and then you see the Rover game, which was the Eastern League. And uh, I didn't see a Ranger game. I wasn't allowed to go to Ranger games because they started at 8.30, and my parents said, it's too late, you got to go to school the next day, blah, blah, blah. So I didn't see my first Ranger game since uh, until 1942. And the Rangers, uh, at my, I guess it was my 90th birthday, <clears throat> they surprised me. I came to the uh, garden, I was invited to a game with Philly, and they presented me with this beautiful... It's uh, it was it was like a a a big glass enclosed thing, and it had among other things, it had the scorecard of the very first game I ever saw, very first Ranger game, which was no, November forty two, and I'm indebted to the Rangers because my career actually began when I was still in Brooklyn College, and the Rangers, uh, of course, then had the farm team. And I've been going to the game so often, and uh, I was in college, in Brooklyn College, and I got this idea, because I love writing, I love writing hockey, and I still do, is that I could do a newsletter for the Eastern League. And I went up to Tommy Lockhart, who uh, uh, managed the, uh, ran the Rovers, and the Eastern League, and the U.S., which was then a house, now USA Hockey, and I said, how would you like if I did a, uh, you know, weekly East League news? He said, sure, do it. And that was terrific for a lot of reasons, because first of all, I was learning how to type. So now I really had to learn how to type. <laughs> and I was a drummer in a, a dance band. So typing was like drumming, which made it easier. And also, uh, I had to deliver these stories to the garden, to the hockey office in one so there, the official was, official's face was there uh, once every Friday, and I got to know people, including the Ranger publicist, who was Herbie Gorin. And that's how I got hired at a college in 54 to, do, uh, her, to be the assistant publicist. That was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. So I'm working for the Rangers now. So the Rangers were my, uh, you know, my first real paid gig. Of course, uh, <clears throat> when Ranger fans say, well, you're an Islander fan, I just say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If it wasn't for the Rangers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be here. And of course, uh, I wound up uh, <clears throat> doing the uh, Islanders games at the beginning. Well, not the beginning, but I did the first telecast in 75, which led to Sports Channel and then over to MSG. And I wound up doing the Devils. So I covered... I covered the uh, <clears throat> I covered the Stanley Cup uh, for the Islanders four years. I, I didn't go on the road when they played in Vancouver. Uh, I did uh, I did the Devils three cups, and I was there for the uh, last Ranger Cup, which was in '94. So uh, the fact of the matter is, <laughs> as far as med area hockey, I am. Ecumenical.
<laughs> That's fair to say. That's very fair to say. I, now, I, belong, I belong to three religions, rangers, islanders, and devils. Do something. <laughs> and, and for the first time in forever, all those three teams are now back in the playoffs together, which is just great for the area, too. Yeah, it's a fantastic thing, particularly since you have the Battle of the Hudson, which uh, we thought was going to be a, an all-time runaway for the Rangers. And thank, uh, I appreciate the fact that the Devils came back, making a series out of it. And of course, uh, the Islanders was another melodrama right down to the last game of the season. So it's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, excitement. And of course, as a hockey nut, you gotta love it. Now, the Devils' last game, they go to Akira Schmidt, twenty-two years old, only played eighteen games in the NHL this season. What did you think of that move for the Devils, kind of jumping to the rookie? Well, you're anticipating me because I did a piece. Actually, I did a piece that's uh, going to be running uh, either later today in my hockey news on the website, or maybe tomorrow morning. But the point is, what I'm pointing out is what the Islanders have to do is what the Maple Leafs did in 42. Uh, this was one of the greatest comebacks of all time. They were down three games to zip to Detroit, and the uh, coach of the Maple Leafs, Hapte, decided that something really dramatic had to be done. Now, how about this for drama? He benched his leading scorer, Hall of Famer, Gordy Drillon. He benched his best defenseman, Buckle McDonald, and he replaced his leading scorer with a third liner who was mostly in the minors, Don Metz. And he replaced his defenseman with a rookie named Ernie Dickens. What do you think happened? Don Metz became a scoring star. Ernie Dickens was terrific. And <clears throat> they won game, uh, it was games four, five, six, and the final. And they won the Stanley Cup. Now... I suggested for the uh, for the De for the Islanders to get back into the series that they do something dramatic, and I my suggestion is they should uh, uh, give Sorokin a rest. I think he's he's worn out, and put Varlamov in. Hey, Varlamov has a hell of a lot more experience than Schmidt. Schmidt mm -hmm. does. He knows, and he's rested. And I suggested that they bench. Uh, <clears throat> well. I hate to say it, but uh, Barzell is not playing well. And I say, uh, uh, bring, uh, put back, uh, put another fresh guy in, put Josh Bailey in, he'll be motivated. So they have to do dramatic things the way the Leafs did and see what happens. Let's see what happens. But uh, uh, it's certainly, certainly an interesting series because uh, you take the first game and you throw that away. The Islanders, I don't know what was going on. But even in defeat, they had kept it close and they played well five on five. Actually, they were the equal five on five. The problem with the Islanders is that there's this very evil invention called the power play. <laughs> and it's like splitting the atom for them. But uh, in the second game... They should have won that game. Uh, it went into overtime, and this guy, uh, high sticks, Mayfield, he whacks him in, in the head, and the referees are looking, what, are you kidding me? What kind of... Now, that's, 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 that's a dramatic, dramatic thing, because if you know your World Series history, a great uh, catch by Willie Mays, 
uh, uh, running backwards. And uh, the, ref, the umpire says, no, it doesn't count because we forgot to say uh, play ball or something. That was ridiculous. <laughs> so uh, you, you go with that one. And in the uh, next game, a uh, guy on uh, Carolina punches Brack Nelson in the head. It's on camera, no penalty. So I'm saying that you take that game that went into overtime. They could have won that game. That series is tied one. When they go back to the island, and they uh, win. They win in overtime. So now they they'd be leading two to one, leading into the last game. But you know what? That's hockey. Uh, I always say hockey is a war game on ice, and uh, from that, all is fair in love and war. And hockey is the is a war. And uh, uh, it doesn't doesn't say there's no Bible that says you know you know a referee can't make a mistake and all that. You gotta you you know what the bottom line is. Grin and bear it. That's what you have to do. And if you get a, if you get a lousy penalty, which the call on Parisi was a ridiculous penalty, uh, goalie interference. He was knocked into the goalie. What do you want the guy to do? Stand on his head and do cartwheels? He got knocked into the goalie. That's no penalty. But here's the trick. There are going to be, there are always going to be lousy calls. And what you have to do when there's a lousy call, you got to kill that penalty. That's the trick. You gotta kill that penalty. They didn't kill the penalty. They, they, they went to five and three, and uh, you know five on threes can be killed. Then uh, that dumb penalty by Matt Martin—that was ridiculous. A total lack of uh, total uh, lack of discipline. The end of the uh, first period and carried over into the second. Uh, they scored again. They didn't kill the penalty. Didn't kill the penalty, and it was a stupid non-disciplined play. So these are the things that happen. If you get the dumb penalty, you got to kill it. And they didn't. So end of story. I think the general consensus between all hockey fans everywhere is the refs have been, it's been a rough first couple games to referees in this playoffs. And we've seen like the other night I was watching the Islander game, like used to Parisi. I mean, that wasn't interference. He got pushed by two different guys too in front of the net. They had the goalie, but then in the Ranger game, Timo Meyer gets kind of pushed, but he falls into the goalie and nothing's called. So it's, you know, one of those things, you know, where is there any consistency through the board? And I know I think Leaf fans have been crying for like, you know, two weeks now about the calls up in their series. So uh, I think that's one of the complaints throughout all hockey fans is get some kind of consistency through the referees. You know what? Uh, consistency in officiating is something that still has not been invented. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story, okay? I had lunch with Gary Bettman about uh, 10 years ago. And I was furious about some uh, officiating uh, the day, uh, a couple of days before. So we're having uh, lunch and he says, uh, so what's on your mind? And I said, I'm very upset with the officiating. He says, well, here, I want you to read this. Uh, he said, I'm going to read a letter to you. And you have to tell me who wrote this letter, and he reads the letter to me, and it was harshly critical of the officiating. I mean, harshly critical. And he said, who do you think wrote this? Well, Brian Burke was a GM at the time. I know Brian is a loudmouth, and Brian used to work for the NHL. I said, that was written by Brian, Word Commission, Brian Burke. He says, well, you're wrong. And then he handed me the letter. And the letter was written by Lester Patrick, who was coaching the Rangers in 1933. 
nothing changes. <laughs> yeah, and and as I, as I, I tell my son Simon, who's a huge fan, I say, listen, you, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't go to the Supreme Court, or you can't, you know, it once it happens. It happens. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to change their mind that Mayfield, Mayfield was high sticked. It happened, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta live with it. And that's that's it. Now I read all your stuff on Hockey News, and back in February, right after the Tarasenko trade, you wrote the Rangers were serious Cup contenders. Then since then, they've gotten Patrick Kane. I feel like they got on a roll there at the end of the year. They get through this Devils series. Uh, what chances do you put on them to get to the Cup? Well, I've been saying all along, I haven't changed. I said that they're going to win the Cup this year. And the reason I said they're going to win the Cup this year is that they've got the best balance of players. They're very strong from the goal out. They got a wonderful goalie who is getting better as the, you know, when the money games come. They've got a wonderful defense with the Fox is arguably the best two-way defenseman in the league, Norris Trophy winner, and they've got a good tough guy in, in Truba, the captain, and they have an excellent coach, and they got, you know, they're overflowing with uh, good forwards. The only thing that I would say that would hold them back from winning the cup is uh, a comment. I'm trying to think whether it was Bobby Halik my buddy, who the ex-devil mentioned this, I was saying, look at all these great guys the the, the Rangers have in, up up on up on the offense. All these wonderful forwards, all different kinds of forwards, kid line. And he says, well, let me tell you something. There's only one puck, <laughs> and what he means is, you know, you can have a bazillion guys, but there's still only one puck, and 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 maybe, maybe. They have too many. But time will tell. I still think they're going to win the Cup, and that's that. Bobby Holik would know that from his... I mean, when he signed that big deal with the Rangers, they had all those free agents, all those big veterans that came in, and they couldn't do anything because, like you said, they had one puck and about 10 guys who were type A personalities that were the number one guy on their team before they got there, and they just couldn't well, jump. You know what they did best? The, the... They did best. They did best walking to the bank. <laughs> making, <laughs> making a large deposit. Yeah, counting Dolan's money in the locker room. That's the they invest. Cycling yeah. through coaches. <laughs> well, the beauty part is that uh, Jimmy Dolan doesn't care. All he wants to do is get a winner. Hey, he's happy. He's got the Knicks and Rangers both in the playoffs right now. So he's uh, he's got to be a happy man there in his in his office at MSG. That's right. He, well, his father is the reason that I got into television. Chuck Dolan was the guy who started the first Islander telecast in 1975. It was March 1975, a week before the end of the season. They were playing Atlanta, and they were battling Atlanta for the final playoff spot. They had never made the playoffs. Atlanta did. And we got in. And what do you know? When we got in, we played the Rangers, and everybody rode off the Islanders. And guess what? They beat them in the... Uh, the great Parisi goal, and then they went to Pittsburgh and they lost three straight, and then they won next four in a row. Not too bad. They almost did it to Philly. Not bad at all. all and right. then I got to ask you a question about the Rangers and Isles playoffs because there's a great story that you tell 
from uh, a couple of Rangers that crashed the Islander studio there on you in the night. I think it was 1984. Was that the, that playoffs? It was the uh, the year that the Islanders was doing the drive for five. So it was 1984, and this was game, uh, this was the deciding game. And uh, the Islanders, uh, we worked in a, uh, we, the, our studio was very close to the visiting dressing room. And I was there with my cameraman and my uh, stage manager. And uh, of course, this was a furiously exciting game and the Islanders had a one goal lead. And uh, maybe with about four or five minutes to go, these two hulking guys come walking in. Uh, Nicky Fatio, who was a, a pal of mine, and uh, uh, Barry Beck. Yeah, also a big of, guy. <laughs> not, yeah, none of, ne neither of the two was one I wanted to punch out. Uh, so uh, they're here, there, and they're watching the game. And of course, then Don Maloney got the phony goal with the high stick, but it counted. And uh, uh, went into overtime, and they went out uh, after the uh, you know be, before at the break leading into the overtime. I was hoping and praying that they wouldn't come back, and of course they came back, and they were they're cheering, and we couldn't punch them or hit them or shut them up. And thank God, uh, <laughs> Kenny Morrow came up with that goal, and as soon as Kenny Morrow got that goal. You never saw two guys fly out of a room so fast as they did. And uh, we had a few things to say after the door closed behind them. <laughs> yeah, and Nick Fatio. Nick Fatio's not the guy. You, it wasn't thank you very much for visiting. <laughs> Nick is not the guy I would really want to mess with, you know? Uh, Nicky was wonderful because I knew uh, I was with Nicky when I was doing the Whalers games in the WHA. And uh, Nikki was on, I did it to uh, 73, 74 with my wife, Shirley. And then I did it again in 74, 75. And uh, Nikki was on that team. And, uh, and Nikki was special. You know, Nikki was just, you know, he's a street, street smart kid from Staten Island. His whole saga that he made it to the NHL, not only, uh, you know, playing for Rangers, he wound up playing for Calgary, and uh, uh, so I love Nicky, love Nicky. I see him, uh, I used to see him every once in a while, uh, you know, around the garden. Um, but um, of course, uh, they were in uh, to watch a hockey game and we weren't gonna, uh, we weren't gonna throw them out because we're nice people. <laughs> I think the, the coolest Nick Patillo story is that he used to try to shoot the pucks up to the blue seats, right? From the, on the warmups, because that's where he used to sit when he was a kid. Yeah, he uh, he either shot him or he, he threw him or, or both. <laughs> he was very, you know, he was uh, he was a, a a man of the people or a player of the people, and because of the special nature of him uh, coming from Staten Island, uh, it's a great story. Because uh, you know later we had the uh, the Mullen brothers, uh, and I I really was uh, close to them because I used to play roller hockey. Uh, out in Queens and then in Brooklyn, and to have uh, two guys, two brothers who were playing roller hockey in a schoolyard two blocks from the garden for them to make it 
to the NHL. I mean, that's a fabulous, fabulous story because if you played hockey as I did and you know how far that is from being in the NHL, it's great. Uh, it's just like the Nicky story, except that Joey Mullen was a terrific hockey player. Brian was good, but Joey was special. One of the best U.S. hockey players of all time. That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, uh, I, th I think that the, uh, the we used to thought we used to think. You know, when I was going to the Rover in the game, the Sunday afternoon games, I remember Tommy Lockhart, who who started what's now USA Hockey, writing that he said one of these days is going to be an American kid uh, making it in the NHL. Of course, it was a nice story. Not, stop dreaming, Tommy. And of course, now you got you got kids coming out of Arizona. <laughs> one of the best scorers in the league is from Arizona. And uh, you got the kid from uh, Chickering from Florida. He learned his uh, hockey down in Florida. And of course, now there are so many rinks and so much hockey that uh, it's not a big deal anymore for Americans to make it. No, and I mean, the Rangers have their own special story with Adam Fox there being a longtime Ranger fan. His parents were uh, season ticket holders for years. And now he's living his dream out, not only you know, loving Brian Leach growing up. And now he's, you know, on track to maybe have his number up in the rafters with Brian Leach if he continues this unbelievable trajectory that his young career is on. Well, he's got all the goods. There's no reason why he can't uh, become a, a Hall of Famer in time. Uh, it's always great to see a Jewish kid uh, make it big. The Rangers had a wonderful Jewish defenseman, uh, I guess it was 51 because I was a big fan of his name was High Buller. Uh, he came, he actually played with the Rovers. I saw him playing with the Rovers in 42. And then he wound up, uh, uh, I guess, in the uh, Detroit system. And then he went to Cleveland. Cleveland, the Cleveland Barons were like an NHL team in the American League. They had their own farm system. They developed guys who went to the Rangers like Wally Hergesheimer, Steve Kravchek, and of course, High Buller, who came to the Rangers in 51. And in his rookie year, he made second All-Star. That's pretty damn good. And um, it, it, it's, it's very interesting how uh, hockey was in the 16-year era. I mentioned Steve Kravchek because he was another one that was supposed to be like uh, High Buller. A star. <laughs> I don't know if I told you this story. So Steve Crafter comes up to the Rangers. They big deal made out of this because of how how great Buller was, and Jimmy Burchard was a very funny writer for the World Telegram. He covered them for years. So Crafter uh, makes his debut, and Jim uh, Burchard was at the game, and he he writes in the World Telegram, and uh, uh, Steve Crafter made his debut with the Rangers last night. He's neither crafty nor can he check. <laughs> it's a rave review. You had to know Burchard was a throwback. He was like a, a Runyon-esque character. I was very lucky that I was around uh, to see these, these guys from that other era. They were very, very special, very special. Uh, I asked this question because I, after you came on last time, I had some people ask me to, to ask you this. So I got you back on. And I feel like there's always gets thrown out there. 
do you think uh, there's a few Rangers, I think, in past years that, you know, who in the past who I think deserve to have their number retired or some kind of uh, some kind of banner hung up in MSG? I think there's a few legends that they've missed. Is there anyone in your mind who you think maybe deserves more recognition from the Rangers and the, and the Raptors? You know who Sean McCaffrey is? Mm -hmm. Sean McCaffrey already has done a book precisely about the uh, guys who ha should have their banners. First of all, you have to start with Brad Park. Yeah. How can Brad Park uh, not be there? Why isn't Frank Boucher's number there? He was the uh, arguably the greatest center of the team. He was the star of the uh, cup-winning team in 28. He was the star of the cup-winning team in 33. There's no reason why Frank Boucher shouldn't be up there. And um, there, there, there are a lot of guys. There are a lot of guys who... Uh, but you see, uh, there are very few uh, journalists uh, cover hockey who is, are as old as me, who saw guys, uh, you know, I go back to my first Ranger game was 42, that's a long time ago. And, uh, and by the way, do you know how I became a historian? You know how you become a historian? How? You got to be old. <laughs> got to be there for the history. <laughs> uh, you got to be old. You know, there's, there used to be a radio program called Baron Munchausen way, way back in the late 30s. And Baron Munchausen used to have a uh, line that would be repeated every week and became almost a famous line. He was, had a German accent and he would say, Was you dare, Charlie? Were you there, Charlie? And I was there. I was there. I, I did a piece not long ago for NHL.com about the first Chinese American, Chinese Canadian mm -hmm. player who played for the Rangers. Do you yeah. know the story? Yeah. Larry yeah. One game, one shift. But uh, so I, I saw Larry Kwong play uh, for two years with the Rovers. So I can talk about this guy. I don't think there's anybody else around who uh, who watched Larry Kwong with the Rangers. Uh, well, with the Rovers, I should besides me. The Rover games were phenomenal, particularly during the war, because during the war they had the uh, Coast Guard team out of Baltimore, and uh, several NHL guys enlisted in the Coast Guard and played for the team. Art Coulter was the Ranger captain when uh, the Rangers won the Cup in 1940. He was in the Coast Guard. Johnny Mariucci, the Blackhawk defenseman, was on the team. Frankie Brimsick, Mr. Zero, goalie for the Bruins. So that, that was a spe very special team. And uh, fortunately, a friend of mine uh, sent me a, a film clip of uh, the Coast Guard, a Coast Guard game at the Garden, which I happened to be at. And uh, uh, <clears throat> I actually gave it to a, uh, a collector, friend of mine, uh, who's now uh, who now lives in Florida, and uh, so I, that kind of stuff uh, I uh, can say. A few a few other people, if any, can really talk about having actually been there. No, and I I, I can listen to your hockey stories all day long. I really can. It's unbelievable listening to you, and that's why I love reading your writing. And then uh, one other question I think I got asked most was. Uh, who do you consider the the greatest goaltender in Rangers history? I feel like this is always a hot button topic. Well, the the way to be honest about it is you have to you have to divide it between the no mask goalies and the mask goalies. 
I would dare, Kisturkin, I would dare uh, uh, what the, the king. Lundquist, I yeah. Dare, <laughs> I, would dare, I would dare uh, Henrik Lundquist. I would dare any one of the goalies today to go in and play. You know what Glenn Hall did? Glenn Hall played 500, listen to this, 503 consecutive games. You know, no second goalie, no backup. 503 consecutive games without a mask. Incredible. Imagine that. So, to me, Glenn Hall, Glenn Hall is better than any of these goalies because I would dare them to play 503 games without a mask. So you have two eras, okay? Now, uh, we're talking about Ranger goalies, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I, I, I have to say, I have to say that Charlie Rayner, who was on the... Uh, 1950 team that went to the cup final cup final with the rangers they mm -hmm. went to the seventh game in double overtime and of course that was when the rangers can you imagine this it went to the final seven games and rangers had to play all seven games on the road because the circus, circus yeah pushed them out. so charlie rayner and he won the hard trophy that year uh I, and he's in the hall of fame so charlie rayner uh was my uh, my choice uh, but again if you don't you know was you dare Charlie I didn't see Davey Kerr play when they won the cup in 1940 and well, so how am I going to say how am I going to say Charlie Rayner was better than Davey Kerr I didn't see Davey Kerr I didn't see Lon Chabot who was on the uh, you know the original uh, uh, cup team but I'm I say the answer is Charlie Rayner and when it came to the uh, mass goalies uh, my choice, my choice would be Mike Richter, because Mike Richter did something that Lundquist never did, and Lundquist had a chance to do it against the Devils in that uh, fantastic series. Yeah. And guess what? Brodeur beat Lundquist. So, what did Richter do? He won the cup. He's my guy. And he beat Brodeur on the way to the cup. Well, that was one of the greatest series of all time. But you got to remember something. You have to remember this. The Rangers got one of the greatest breaks of all time when after the Devils tied it, tying goal was scored with, the, what, seven seconds left mm -hmm. in the period. And what did Richter do? He ran and he bumped the goalie, Bill, uh, Bill McCreary, the referee. Right, yeah. How does a guy get, not get a penalty? How do you explain it? Well, I guess you got to look the other way, right? <laughs> Game uh, seven. Yeah, there is no, there should have been no looking the other way. But you know what? What did I tell you at the beginning? Grin and bear. You got to go grin and bear. So, but uh, Richter was my guy. People forget in that series there was two double OT games. And my toe scored twice in two double OTs. Say that again? So people forget that there was actually two double OT games in that series, not just the last game. That's right. And Matteo was the other one. Two double OT goals that series. The uh, uh, guy from the Associated Press did a wonderful book, which I refer to all the time, called The Battle of the Hudson. Mm -hmm. And the whole book is about the, uh, basically about that series. Great, great, uh, great book. Um, I'm surprised 
with all the uh, anxiety that I've experienced with all these games that I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> I should have dropped that. I should have dropped that a long time ago. <laughs> What's the old ad? Playoff hockey takes years off your life. No, I almost died doing a game. This was the Easter epic where uh, the Islanders played four overtimes with Washington. (laughs) And I was working at the Capitol Center in Landover with my uh, stage manager, Johnny McComb. And of course, the game went into overtime. And we were alone in the studio overlooking the arena, you know, overlooking the game. And I was sitting in a chair. You're just me and Johnny there. And of course, I'm rooting for the Islanders and Kelly Rudy is in goal. So I figured I had to make a number of saves for him. So I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And finally, I leaned back and I almost uh, leaned so far back that the I was going to fall and hit my head on the concrete floor and die right there. And with about two inches from the floor, Johnny McComb grabbed my chair and put me back straight again. Otherwise, I would have been finished. So um, I, 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 there are a lot of goalies who owe me, uh, owe me uh, gratefulness because I made a lot of saves for them they don't, never uh, knew about. A lot of studio saves, huh? That's right. <laughs> Next time I have Glenn Healy on, I'd let him know that you, you call Stan. Him, I'm sure you made a few saves for Glenn. <laughs> I was, I was, this is a great story. So now I'm doing the, uh, this was the Islanders, this was the, this was the series in 1993. The Penguins had won two cups in a row, going for the third cup, and they're playing the Islanders, and and they were heavy favorites in the, it was a phenomenal Islander team. They took it to the seventh game, right? So I'm doing the game, I do the uh, between periods, and so I'm watching the game from a seat, but I'm hearing my producer telling me when I should go down, you know, and, and the Islands is leading by two goals, and it's late in the third period, and I'm having good luck in this seat. And all of a sudden, my producer says, uh, get down to the studio. Well, if I go down to the studio, I'm, I'm taking away the good luck from this seat. So I prayed, I pretended I didn't hear him. <laughs> and I stayed there for another minute. And then I could get the hell down to the studio. So I figured, this is awful. If I go down to the studio, I could I could cost the Islanders this series. But I had to go down to the studio, right? So now I go down, <laughs> I go down, and as I'm getting to the studio, I pass a room where Patrick Flatley, who was injured, and he was watching the game on a, on the monitor in the studio. And oi, oi, oi. Ron Francis scores, and I'm the I'm at fault for this stupid goal. And now it's a one goal game. And by the time I get to the studio, uh, who was it that uh, I forget who it was who, who scored the tying goal? And now and now it's I'm I'm, I'm beyond distraught because. Yeah, they had the game in the bed with them and one of the greatest upsets of all time. And I gave up two goals. It was awful. It was awful. awful. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> David Bollock saved my tuckus <laughs> by uh, getting the winner. 
I was waiting for you to say you ran back to the seat. I was gonna say Al, Al Arbor owes you a thank you if you won that claim for him. I told him, but he didn't think I owed him anything. <laughs> oh man. Well Stan, I, I can listen to your stories all day long, but I know you get back to your life there. Thank you so much again for coming on. And uh, and who knows, maybe we'll have an Islander Rangers series next week if the Isles can uh, pull one out and the Rangers continue rolling on. And I'll have to get you back on for that. As my grandma would say, we should be so lucky. <laughs> Take it easy. Thank you so much, as always. Anytime, anytime. Thank you so much to Stan for joining us. Like I said, I can listen to him tell stories all day long. And if the Islanders do somehow move on here and the Rangers figure out their game and move on past the Devils, I would love to try to get him back on the show because I, I could really listen to him tell these stories from the 40s, 50s, 60s. I mean, he has them from every era. Uh, like he said, he started going to games in the was it 1942, I think he said his first game was. And um, he started covering the Rangers in the early 50s. And just an incredible hockey mind. And, uh, you know, the joke around that, you know, what a historian is is someone who's seen the history. And he's seen a lot of history. He's seen, you know, every Stanley Cup in the New York area since the 80s, you know, through the Islanders, to the Rangers, to the Devils. So, um, and his pick for the cup is the Rangers this year. So I hope he sees one more and covers one more. And and I hope he's right on that. I hope it is the Rangers this year. But now uh, they'll have a uh, they have a battle here. And we talked about that great series in 1994 that went seven games with uh, Stefan Matteau winning in double OT. And let's hope maybe it's not that dramatic. But I you know maybe it's the same outcome with the Rangers bringing it home. But um, I can't thank him enough for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And make sure you go check out all his writing at the hockey, um, the hockey news. He still writes, which is incredible. Ninety-one years old, the man's still writing, and he still does an incredible job. So thank you so much to Stan for coming on. It's a, a true honor to talk to with him. So uh, I cannot thank him enough. And that does it for episode one twenty-nine of the Broadway Hat Podcast. Please make sure you go and subscribe to the show, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Every five-star review, we do receive a dollar donated to Alex's Lemonade Foundation to help fight pediatric cancer so please take a moment of your day help with an amazing cause there make sure you go and uh, subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review on spotify as well you can follow the show on google play um, amazon music pandora anywhere you get your podcast you can find us there make sure you go and follow the show on social media as well on twitter at broadway hat pod you can find my personal twitter account at khallny for all new york ranger updates as you go through the playoffs here obviously we have tons of posts so make sure you go check us out there make sure you go and follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at the Broadway Hat Podcast. And also, make sure you subscribe to the show on YouTube. We just dropped a Rangers hype video last week, obviously with Bob O'Reilly in it. Uh, had great response to that. I think we have over 3,000-something views on that. So um, make sure you go check out our YouTube page. We're constantly dropping content, full episodes, clips, you know, Ranger highlights. So make sure you go and subscribe to the Broadway Hat Podcast on YouTube. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And, And hopefully when I talk to you next time, the Rangers will be moving on to the second round.